Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you could get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Hey, everybody over at Collider. It's the Collider fans. That's what you are. So what are you doing right now? You're listening, obviously. Otherwise, you wouldn't hear my stupid voice. And it's Christian Harloff. Thanks for listening to the Collider Podcast Network. Have you guys gone over and subscribed to the Collider Factory podcast feed? Well, you should. Every week, you'll get great podcasts from the Collider team. Listen to all these shows. You got the WWE recap show. It's Collider Body Slam. That's everything in the world of wrestling. They even go outside and, and just talk about everything, whether it's NXT or stuff happened in Japan. It's, it's, it's a fantastic show. You got film discourse with our senior film editor, Matt Goldberg, on the Collider.com podcast, and plus audio versions of the movie, trivia, schmodown, and in-depth match analysis with the schmodown rundown. Plus, we'll be debuting new programs throughout the year in this factory. Once you guys are going to determine... Do they get their own feeds? Do they become new hit shows? It's up to you. But in order to do that, you've got to join that farm system over there at the Collider Factory. Subscribe today to Collider Factory at Podcast One and Apple Podcast. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, from negative to positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. 
When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's up, sweaties? It's actually episode 253 today. That's right. I'm John Schnepp. We're going to be talking about a lot of things, including Spider-Man, Batman, X-Men sequels. It's an all-Twitter awesome episode. Today on Heroes is a special episode. We're doing Twitter questions. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm joined by the Roca Says. That's right, John Roca. What's up, everyone? And his very first Heroes, we got Dorian Parks over here. What's going on, guys? What up, guys? Hey, we're going to get into all of your questions on Wednesdays right now doing Twitter questions. So feel free, if, you wa- if you're if you watching this show, maybe your show your uh, question will actually be answered next week because we're opening up a lot more uh, time to answer your questions and get into it. Let's start right off with Nate. And he asks, who is your favorite writer in comic books right now? So I'd have to say, uh, you know, like he lists off mine or Tom King, mm-hmm. Jason Aaron. Both those guys have incredible runs with both Batman and Thor. And I would definitely list them high up um, as, as far as my favorite writers. But uh, my top favorite writer right now is Ed Brubaker. Yeah. And I feel like not only is he able to vacillate between superheroes and hard drama, hard crime drama, he, he does it effortlessly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like for me, I mean, he teams up with Rucka a lot as well. So, uh, for me, it's Ed Brubaker currently. How about you, Rucka? Yeah, I got a couple. Of, obviously, Brian Michael Bendis. Oh, I, yeah, you never yeah. go wrong with him. Always go back to him no matter what side of the fence he's on. I'm always excited for him. I think, John, because of producing the show, you got me on Tom King's Mr. Miracle. Sure. Tom King's writing is incredible in that series. Yeah. Like I, I love that character from way back in the Justice League Unlimited series and what they were doing with that. So, to throw him into this situation was so much fun. Rucka already, you mentioned... And uh, I would have to give a shout-out to Gabby Rivera. I think Gabby Rivera does a really nice job with what she did with America and Ooh, yeah. uh, the, 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 getting into connected to the Ultimates, all that with her. So the, you know, you're always trying to find that newer voice. You, you have your standards, but Definitely. that newer voice that, that breaks through, you want to give it a shot. Uh, so I enjoy them, uh, all of them uh, equally. And Brubaker, Killer Be Killed is fantastic. How about you? I think right now my favorite comic book writer is probably Ta-Nehisi Coates, his, mm. his new Black Panther run. I, I mm. definitely, because um, before the Black Panther movie came out, I definitely want to get back more into the comic books, especially you see with all the hype that's going on. So once it, once Black Panther did drop, I decided to give, go back more into the comic book realm because you see that nobody's really supporting those nowadays, but we got to really make those moves. So I decided mm. to check it out, and he really has captured what it, Tana, uh, what what's his name, T'Challa is about, and the yeah. world of Wakanda. So uh, that's definitely my, my to-go-to writer right at this moment. Definitely, yeah. yeah. So for me, Brubaker, but there's a list of other writers yeah. who are just doing mm-hmm. a really good job. I mean, I picked uh, for our comic book list uh, Gail Simone. Gail Simone. Just yeah. because she's done, done such she's an incredible job, it. not just with superheroes, but Clean Room mm-hmm. is one of my top f- favorites of a sci-fi series. Kind of like, definitely check out Clean Room if yeah. you haven't. Uh, so next question we got is from Vince. And they ask, any movement on the movie adaptation of The Sword? Um, you know what? I wish I could report, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I saw an early cut of it or that they're doing a TV series uh, on it. But uh, nothing yet. Um, but uh, it's an incredible comic book series. So you, if you haven't had a chance to check out the Luna Brothers mm. sword, um, they're the guys who did Girls. They've done a bunch of different comic books. Um, Ultra was another one. So all of their, those three right there, if you haven't read those, buy them right now. They're available on trade paperback. The sword is available yeah. in four Really easy to buy, very cheap trade paperbacks, or get the the super you know hardcover volume. 
totally got that because I loved it so much. I loved the sword, the comic book. I yeah. remember talking about it. A couple of years back when we first started Heroes, I was saying the sword needs to get ad- adapted. I know it got picked up, but nothing, there's been no movement. Have you heard anything? Yeah, no, no. no. And, and Lakeshore Entertainment was in charge of it back yeah. in 2013. And yep. the first mm. installment was supposed to come out in 2014. It's such an interesting story because you have this idea, well, using the sword lets, lets her walk. The she lets her walk, but then it gives her all these powers. But what does that mean? Like, Do you become too reliant on it? There's so much symbolism in the sword that would have been fun to explore on screen. And I think maybe because we've got so many other bigger names coming through they haven't quite found the time to to hone this thing and get it re- prepped but i hope something's happening soon this is a great story to tell because we can't just be wandering around in dc and marvel in the larger heroes it's right. always good to go back and showcase things like blade or the crow mm, right. these more kind of independent type things you might not know because there's a lot of stories to tell within that where you don't have to be have too many fantastical elements to it in my opinion. well i mean with the yeah. sword it, it's about gods yeah i mean it's literally like that she gets this sword not only does it give her the power to walk but it's also she is protecting the world yeah. to, and she's basically been given this sword to kill these three gods who are silently ru- living and ruling the world right but right. silent quietly and silently and, and they feared the sword right. for the repercussions i mean i don't know if you got a chance to read this kind no, of, i haven't but, yet this um, sounds dope though it's it's really good <laughs> i would i would heavily recommend it like i'm recommending to anybody check it out by the first volume it's yeah. like you know like 10 bucks on amazon so definitely pick it up or go to your local comic book store and order it through them um next question is uh, Sevenson um, asks, hey, do you think we'll ever see a DC and a Marvel movie team up? And if we did, who would you want in it? So this is Se- Svensson Center. It's uh, hard to say. Um, but uh, Svensson, are we ever going to see a DC and Marvel movie team up? Um, we're going to see it in comic books a lot sooner than we are going to see it as a movie. I don't think, like, never say never. I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't do, like, in some day, like, Batman and the Punisher or Spider-Man and Superman. They could do it. My big question would be why. Yeah. Because right now, I mean, Marvel has their own cinematic universe, which is doing incredibly well, and they have, like, hundreds of characters that they haven't gotten to yet. They have Phase 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 that they haven't even touched yet, as opposed to just doing some kind of team-up. DC is trying to course correct their current cinematic universe right now. So I think they both have their hands full. What do you think, Jordan? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like maybe down the line when 50, 60 years when the superhero age <laughs> is finally declining, if it ever right. does decline, then maybe both companies are like, hey, we need, a, we need to figure out something to do to get everybody back in. Let's do a, a crossover like that. But that's really the only way to see this. Maybe if they want to do a Marvel versus DC game and then the, the actors who are voice acting or something would be down to do like a live commercial or something like that. I like that, that idea. I could, you see know what? Them, I could see them doing something I would like love- I'd love to actually see that happen way before a movie because just like they did DC versus Mortal Kombat, I mean, that would be DC versus Marvel with the games. Like, do a Mortal Kombat-style game? Something like that, yeah. I'd rather do something like that. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think it just takes a little bit more time. The thing is, Marvel is in such a position of power now. Why would they want to necessarily do a crossover at this point? Now, down the road, who knows if Feige is going to stay in control. Maybe Marvel starts coming back down to Earth, and we see with Jeff Johns moving. What is that going to mean for DC? Are they going to make moves with Haman and everyone else getting coming in now, coming on board to come up closer to DC? Then at that point, you can do it. Because remember, we we read comics for years before there was a crossover, and when it was... 
it was huge. And sometimes it was great, and sometimes it was a massive letdown. So it just all depends. You've got to have the right people involved to get this together. But I think DC has to have a little bit of a longer track record of successful stuff with their current universe in order to make it viable to cross over, for Marvel to cross over with DC and have, like, for me, I'd love to see Justice League with Avengers, teaming mm-hmm. up with Avengers. Just see how Superman and Captain America would get along sure. being, their, being their good boy alphas of each of their teams, how they might interact and what that could bring out with the rest of the teams interacting with each other. So I'd love to see something like that, you know? And so it'd be fun, but I think it's just going to take a, a lot more down the road, maybe 20 years. I don't know about 50, 60, but maybe yeah. 10 to 20 at this point. I think I'm going to be on some Oxygen Masters. What is this? But, uh, yeah, you know, the first couple of these kind of team-ups were all done in these treasury editions right. with Spider-Man and Superman with them on the cover and then Batman and the Hulk. That yeah. was a weird one. So yeah. you can always find these. The comic books have already done it multiple times. They also did a really crazy kind of like amalgam universe mm-hmm. where they like combined them mm-hmm. and became their own like fusion versions like yeah. Oh, yeah, Orion. Like Batman, Batman like, uh, and Wolverine. Yeah, like, like Dark, Dark Claw or something. Yeah, so I mean, check those out. Look them up. Amalgam. A-M-A-L-G-A-M. That's a really cool little weirdo pocket universe as yeah. well. So they've done this in comics. We don't know when. Probably we'll all be dead and they'll do it later. <laughs> um, Joe Dalton asks, with Mysterio being the villain in the next Spider-Man movie, do you think the MCU would incorporate the reality stone or a piece of it to help explain his mind-bending illusions? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think so. I think Mysterio is a... If you look him up, uh, he's a special effects artist gone rogue using right. using his abilities originally to just dress up as Spider-Man to, you know, throw people off. And then eventually uh, fighting Spider-Man and throwing Spider-Man into, like, little tiny worlds or, you know, all kinds of, like, crazy things. So I would like to keep that. I don't want him to have some kind of magical powers. Right. Like, we were talking about, like, you know, there's certain characters who are magical or mystical. Like, the Doctor Strange has to fight Nightmare. Nightmare is not the same as Mysterio. Mysterio is, like, a tech-based Villain, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with them. Uh, what I was thinking is how they explain Nico's powers on the runaway with the staff. It's like heavy science, not mm-hmm. not magic, but just heavy science. That's kind of how I think they'll incorporate Mysterio's powers in, in the upcoming Spider Man movie, something like that. Not super, like you said, actual mysticism, but more uh, technology based. Yeah, that's what I hope. How about you? Yeah, yeah, smoke and mirrors type stuff. It's still intelligent and, and with special effects, and everything like that. But the thing about Mysterio's, Mysterio's kind of like, he's a, he's a um, how would you say, he's a great ground level villain like yeah. he, he ain't up there in the stars doing stuff on planets like he's a ground level villain and like he's running insurance scams that's that's the level of what he's trying to do he's a criminal but he's a simple criminal in that way he's not he's not grand in his approach and so to me to throw in the the reality stone into that mix you would just be way, it's way beyond what he can handle and he would probably be overwhelmed with that kind of he power doesn't need it to either do. I- yeah I think, exactly. I think what, what you just said is great because it's also like what they do with the Spider-Man Homecoming movie is they set up another realistic ground-level right. villain, with it, which is a vulture. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, hey, my, you're taking away my operation. I'm going to use this alien tech, this and that. Right. It worked in perfectly. Same thing can be said for Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Like you're already setting up, setting up a very early way of forming the Sinister Six. Who has to be the leader of the, all these kind of like ground-level guys? It right. has to be Norman Osborn. Right. I, mean, I feel like those yeah. are the, they're setting it up in a good way. Hopefully it pays off next question is gamers genie asks if marvel gets the rights to the x-men should the first villain they face be magneto or should they use a different villain and save him for a latter film well gamer i think that's a good call i mean i would do that i mean i think Mm -hmm. look at what christopher nolan did with batman batman begins you're like well what's what 
who, who's playing the Joker or the Penguin? It's like, right. no, he used completely way off the radar villains like Scarecrow and Ross Al Ghul. Mm-hmm. If you're a comic book fan, then of course you know who those characters are. If you're a you know a Batman the animated series, maybe, but like most general audiences didn't know who the Scarecrow was or Ross Al Ghul. So it was like kind of like by going with someone you don't like automatically think of. Same thing with you can even say Spider Man. They use the Vulture, yeah. which a lot of people are like, I don't know how that would work. Well, they made it work. Yeah. So I feel like with Mag with Magneto. We already know that character works. He's an incredible presence in the X-Men. Him and Charles have this back and forth that's already there. I'd like to see a different villain. I mean, the Brotherhood of the Mutants. Yeah. yeah I mean, that, but that's involving Magneto. Yeah. So I feel like you got to put that to the side a little bit, you know. Uh, who do you think should be? Like, I mean, we've already yeah. all, we've also gone through Sentinels. So yeah, so you, 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 bench, you bench Magneto for a little bit. We've already had two different portrayals of his character by phenomenal actors. So it's like, let's just, let's hold off on him and bring in some new villains that you have access to now that we've been waiting to see in the MCU. So hold off on Magneto, wait a few, 10 or 10, 10, 15, not 10, 15 years, but like, let's say eight or seven years yeah. after everything's settled in. And then you bring them in, bring in Quicksilver, bringing all of them into the into the MCU world. Mm-hmm. Or not not Quicksilver, not uh, the MCU version of Quicksilver, but, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. They'll have to say. figure yeah, that part out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, if they're going to do a new villain, I'll, Sabretooth, bring in Sabretooth or something like that to face, uh, to face the MCU. I don't know, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Just not make me at the moment. Uh, I lean more towards the Hellfire Club. Sure. Uh, only because they kind of teased it in Days of Future Past, but the less said about with January Jones' portrayal of right. that, the better. And I think there's a lot to explore with the Hellfire Club. And it could lead into New Mutants. And it could lead into any other things you want to play around with. And they give as good as they get with the X-Men. And they have, at times, been aligned with the X-Men. So you make you create a more complex villain with more storylines to explore. I think Magneto, right. You, you sit him on the bench for a little Brotherhood of Mutants. We've seen that already. We saw Juggernaut and Deadpool, too. So we still have shades of it messing around, uh, uh, dancing around. So for me, Hellfire Club is kind of an unknown for most of the mainstream stream uh, people who are watching these X-Men films, so it'd be fun to explore them, and it'd be interesting, and maybe you could even throw Gambit in there as a way of launching Gambit as well, but I, I love the idea of Hellfire doing that more because it's so unknown. And they're yeah. kind of exploring that in the on the in the in Gifted. I'm, I'm really liking how they're doing A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Gifted. Yeah, I think the Gifted is probably going to, like, you, the Gifted or Legion are kind of going to absorb the Hellfire mm-hmm. Club. I'd like to see Arcade. Mm. Like, I think that's a one-and-done kind of villain. That's Mm -hmm. a great way to set up the X-Men or whatever, the new X-Men. And then start to lay the groundwork for not just Magneto and the evil Brotherhood of Mutants. But I'd like to see them go to the Savage Land. I'd like to see Kazar. I'd like to see... Um, Sauron. So a whole mm-hmm. bunch of these kinds of characters that you know you never thought you'd see, I think, would be great. I mean, imagine going to the Savage Land at X Men Two. You get a little bit of Jurassic Park in there. You get right. a whole bunch, there's a whole bunch of flavor that, but you can have the X Men involved in that. So yeah. um, that's all. Those things are possible. Let us know who you want to see the X Men fight. Just tag hashtag Collider Heroes. Who should the X Men go against? That's not Magneto. Um, numbers, next question is Tanner Ra- Tanner Rowan asks. No one has talked about the gauntlet that Etri had when Thor showed up. So if Etri made one for Thanos, what was what was the Age of Ultron end credits with him in Odin's vault saying, I'll do it myself, and taking the gauntlet? Yeah, uh, it's an interesting question. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on this one, because uh, what are we going to do with that, that the model he had up there that was up there in Infinity War, right? It was just sitting there... What, are there more? Are there others? Was that the first time he made it? If will I mean he says it's the first time he made it, but what will it lead to? I, I don't know. Uh, 
I, yeah, I, I'm sorry, John. I, I'm at a loss for this one. Mm-hmm. If you want to take it, I, all I can all I can really wager is that no one knew that the 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 the, the um, you know dwarfs were dead. Yeah. So literally, no one had checked up on them. Right. And, and Thanos had gotten this this glove made and just had it there. Right. Was waiting for other people to do the job for him, like any crime crime boss would do, is like execute my plans and right. bring me the stuff. And that's why he's finally. Like, Fine, I'll do it myself. I mean, that's how I would read into it. Okay. I mean, there's also like, you know, wasn't there like a, you know, you saw like in in Thor in, in Thor Ragnarok, there's yeah. a fake yeah. one. Yeah, there's like all yeah. kinds of stuff like that where there could be fake ones or whatnot. But I wouldn't lead too much credence to that. But I would say that uh, fine, I'll do it myself. Is he'd already had Etri make it for right. him, and no one really went to go check in on the dwarves. Since when did anyone check in on the, with the right. dwarves? But Not for a long dwarves time. Dwarves need to eat. Like, how was he? So we saw that take place at the end of Age of Ultron. Since then, that like three or four years have just mm. gone by and he's just both no, no hands just just dead all the all the dwarves are dead just right. besides him like how, how's he eating just metal he, he just eats eat? metal oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just has, he's badass man yeah um so yeah that's our answer we really don't know but mm-hmm. we, it, he must have already had it made and you just have to figure nobody's checking in on the dwarves another reason entry's so pissed yeah um Next question is Alex Short asks, which image team or character would you want in a live action movie the most? For me, it's Wildcats. Mm. I, I was always thinking Deathblow would be a pretty interesting <laughs> character. I mean, he's Punisher-esque, but he's got mm-hmm. a lot of other kind of overtones. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Manchurian Candidate stuff going on that's possible with a Deathblow kind of uh, movie that you could do. You need to get that guy involved in something like that. What do you think, Roka? Uh, st- what is a storm? What was a storm? Wildstorm. Wildstorm. Yeah, I would love to see Wildstorm get involved in because they, they had a number of iterations of Wildstorm, and so I, I, there's so many great, interesting characters to explore in that team and where they can go with that. That would be a lot of fun. Obviously, everybody loves Savage Dragon. Savage Dragon would be great. The Max was interesting to me. Sure, the Max was fascinating, dude. That's like deep, 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 deep in there, and I think. I think uh, Liquid Television did a version of it. Yeah, they had the head and the Max. Right, right. Yeah. And so the, the, the Max was, I, I would love to see a live action. If we get to that point where we start exploring even more crazier heroes that a lot of people maybe don't uh, know that well, right. that would be fun to see that explored in a really uh, interesting way. Maybe David Lynch's The mm. Max. I mean, something where someone like that with that kind of vision, maybe Blumhouse doing it would be interesting as well. Sure. Know, that That's interesting that you say. I was actually thinking of uh, uh, Invincible, them bringing Invincible, because uh, mm. I know he, that last year they, were, he was, um, they made a deal that he was supposed to have a live action movie coming out yeah. with Seth, uh, Seth Green or Seth Rogen, I believe. Seth Rogen. So I, I'm down. I was, I'm excited for that. And ever since then, that's just been my to go to because I would love to see them go under the Bloomhouse Productions with Lay, uh, Lay directing it. Right. Have Logan, mm-hmm. Logan play the character. I think that would be a, that's my that's my to go to. Yeah, I think like Wildcats would be would be fun, but mm-hmm. I think it's a little the time has passed. I think for Wildcats, a little still stuck in the '90s. I think, mm-hmm. but what happened happened with Stormwatch is what yeah. you were talking Stormwatch. about. Stormwatch. That's Wildstorm. what I'm sorry. Stormwatch. That's what um, I mean. Yeah. Stormwatch then transmuted into the Authority. Right. So that's the one I want to see. I want to see right. the Authority turned into a big budget, you know, action film. The way Warren Ellis wrote it, he's, he's always talking about well, what I'm writing is widescreen comics. Yeah. So he's writing them with the idea that. I don't have a budget. I can write whatever I want. It's me and the artist. We could we can make the biggest four hundred million dollar epic. That's what you're reading, and mm-hmm. that's what was so exciting about his original first twelve issues was like you're reading these giant, massive comics that have yeah. massive kinds of storylines of things that are big and epic in scope. And then Mark Miller took over and did a kind of a different turn on it, but 
He's always wanted to have a little bit of fun sarcasm in there. Basically, it was the authority versus like a jerky version of the Avengers. So <laughs> right. I was like, so definitely check out the authority comic book run, especially the run written by Mark Miller and before him, Warren Ellis, drawn by Brian Hitch and Frank Quietly. Amazing comic books. But those are the reasons why yeah. I'm still waiting to see the authority get turned into a big budget. What do you think about Supreme? Like, where is Supreme going to land? Would you want is, like Liefeld did that deal with Netflix? But the, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think he's is he going to go the Supreme route? Do you think we'll see I don't think Supreme? Supreme isn't part of it? You okay. know, I, I would love to see what he's going to do with. I mean, I know Rejects is part of it. And a yeah. lot of people, you know, oh, Rejects is just a, a mutant ripoff. It's like everything's a ripoff of something. It's like Rejects has some possibilities, especially right. the science fiction futuristic mutant storyline. Yeah. Um, Supreme, i.e., being just like a really fun kind of alternate version of Superman. Yeah. And especially everything Alan Moore did. I would just oh. go right from the start where Alan Moore <laughs> yeah. started and adapt it that way because. I mean, the, the thing is, it was like, it's a tongue-in-cheek. It's not parody. It's just mm -hmm. like, it's it's sort of like Miracle Man. It's like, yeah. it's just a different take on the version of what we already know. And it's able to do things that the normal version just can't or wouldn't. Mm -hmm. We don't know now. With Brian Michael Bennis, maybe some of those things will yeah. happen. So, But yeah, I'd like to see, eventually I'd like to see a Supreme. I think Supreme would work great as a TV series. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, I think it, episodically, I think... You know, anybody who's listening, who's a producer and happen to have some kind of ability to bring this comic book, get the Alan Moore Supreme story mm -hmm. and bring it to your, you know, higher ups and see if you can make it. Because I think it's it's built in. It's already yep. got that newsroom. It's got the alter egos. It's got a lot of crazy villains. Mm -hmm. But it, be, it can be done on a CW style budget. That's sure. my feeling about I'll it. I see that. Uh, next question is from RJVG number 92, because <laughs> I can't say the, uh, I believe it's a Japanese? I don't know. Sure. What, you, um, what are your thoughts on a Spider-Gwen movie after Into the Spider-Verse comes out? I'll be totally... It'll be awesome having their own Spider-Man film universe with Spider-Man Noir, Spider-Woman Silk, Spider-Man 2099, Scarlet Spider. The list goes on. Keep it sweaty. Well... I think that's a cool idea. Mm -hmm. I got to see into the Spider Verse first before I make any decisions. <laughs> what I will say though was that what a pleasant, surprising breath of fresh air that trailer for Into the Spider Verse was. Now we yeah. saw the teaser maybe six months ago or something like that, or it could be longer, and I was already blown away by the animation techniques and the approach that they were using. And then this new trailer, so excited about it. I mean, yeah. literally, like it hit it on every single point. Different take on Spider-Man. You got an older Peter Parker mentoring him in. I've said this before. It reminded me of Batman Beyond, but with a sense of humor. It had the it had this kind of flavor to it that I haven't seen them try with Spider-Man or really any of these Marvel characters yet. And they also didn't weren't afraid to fully embrace the comic book roots. They're like, yeah, you got Spider Gwen's in this. You're like Spider Gwen. Uh, sorry, I'm a little bit older. I'm like Spider Gwen's corny, but I'm willing to take a chance. I'm like, all right, you got everybody in here. There's Spider Gwen. Right sell me on it and just that those five seconds i kind of was sold because of already the first like minute and a half of that trailer made me feel and believe in whatever this this spider-verse is whatever this universe is mm -hmm. i was already in so that by the time we got to that point with with spider-gwen i was like all right bring it bring mm -hmm. on bring on spider-man noir or <laughs> where are we going to be in 2099 because oh. i can take it yeah. what do you think Jordan? no i would love to see like you said i would love to see a spider-gwen movie in this type of spider-man universe because of what i think this w could really set up sony to have a competitor for the lego movie universe mm -hmm. like they how legos mm -hmm. has a batman spinoff and everything like that so i could see them trying to do something like that before a slightly older audience like myself because after i saw that first miles morales trailer i was i was completely sold so if they could start building and expanding a world like that you 
you bring in Spider-Gwen, like she said, bring in Silk, and have just all these spinoff movies branching out into that, sure. building up those audiences. So if they ever did want to bring them into the live-action uh, Sony world that they're building with Venom and all of them, then that would be perfect opportunity to do so right there. Mm-hmm. We also saw a ton of different villains in the Spider-Verse. Yep, I mean, exactly. So we're going to get those ultimate versions of certain characters. We're going to see the Prowler. What do you think? Bro? Yeah, I'd love to see a Spider-Gwen movie. I mean, this is something that I came back came into late. Like, I saw these costumes at at, uh, at Comic-Con a few years ago, and I'm like, what is what is this? And I had a friend right. walk me into this whole mythology of Spider-Gwen. I was like, oh, man. I mean, what a way to keep her in the universe and not just as a tragic story in sure. Spider-Man's backstory. Like, you turn her into something. Because people have always had an obsession with this character. Showed up in Spider-Man 3. We saw her in different iterations, obviously with, uh, with uh, 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 um, I'm sorry, Emma... Emma Stone Stone, in in the Spider-Man 1 and 2, so Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. So she has this kind of connection with the fandom, and so why not turn her this way? It'd be interesting. And, yeah, I agree with you. I want to see what they do with it, but the trailer certainly bodes well. And let me just tell you something. Spider-Man 29 is one I go back to all the time, sell out my stacks, and I will start from scratch sometimes on a Saturday afternoon for three or four hours and just rip back into them. I loved that. So why not make that happen? And it could rival what Warner Brothers has done with their DC animated stuff. Why not start focusing on this and building this? this up as much as you've built up your your side of the fence with movies live action movies from Marvel. yeah i feel like if into the spider-verse is as big of a hit as we are all imagining that it yeah. can be and might be um that we'll see a spider-man 2099 yeah. or a silk but we'll see them as series right. as tv shows and then they'll keep going oh, yeah. back to the well with spider-man into the spider-verse and keeping these other characters like as an ancillary thing yeah. i mean that would be the smart move we'll see what happens we're going to see that movie in like five <laughs> months our next question comes from john and he asks if we saw Plastic Man in the DCEU, would you like who would you like to see play him? Now, it's a weird one because like for many, many years I've always thought of Jim Carrey as yeah. Plastic Man. Yeah. I mean, literally because of his amazing, malleable face, his goofy faces. He could also play Dead Serious, as we saw in Eternal Sunshine mm-hmm. and a bunch of his other movies. He can play tragic, he can play I'm not a big fan of when he gets all spooky, like I'm the number twenty three or whatever. Yeah. The newest one was I'm a detective and I'm angry. Not that I'm doing all, I'm not even imitating Jim Carrey. <laughs> I'm Jim Carrey. That's not even how he talks. I'm just saying it's right. like we get it. I mean, especially with comedians, they're always trying to prove that they have a serious side. They're always yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying on the inside, even though I'm laughing on that. So it's like, <laughs> look, man, whatever you need to do, keep doing it. But, like, you know, I love his painting, to be blunt about it. Like, yeah. I think Jim Carrey recently has, has become a true artist. Um, and, you know, I say that not lightly. I think mm-hmm. check him out. Check out some of his artwork, especially his satirical artwork. Um, he's a thinking man. He's a yeah. smart guy. You know, he's also incredibly funny and i feel like just because he's incredibly funny and so many people want him to make them laugh that he probably brings a lot of luggage with him as far as like don i'm also serious and i'm not going to make you laugh in fact i'll make you cry whatever it's like you know i don't have that damage that he has so i just want to be like to pull that damage away dude and be plastic man so he's he's my pick how about you i gotta go with andy samberg he's i think Right. A, good choice. Good choice. Right. Him, him, or uh, I was also thinking. I saw one. Uh, one of my friends also suggested uh, Joseph Gordon. Joseph Gordon. Oh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yeah, yeah, as yeah. well. So those are my two chop. But if I had to pick Andy, Andy Samberg. I'm with you. On, I like Andy. That's yeah. a good. That's a good pick. How about you? It's interesting. I, I'm of two minds of it because uh, John Krasinski leaps to mind because his ability to play funny stuff, sure, and also be serious when he needs to. He's be a great serious. straight man, but can yes. also that little wink that you're with him on the joke, you right? Know? And I could see, and it would be fun. To 
to see him do something a little bit out of his comfort zone, be a little more goofy, a little more weirder with something like this. I mean, sure. Because uh, Zachary Levi is doing a great job with Shazam, so he would have been my choice, but he's already Shazam. So, but uh, another thing is possibly, and this is crazy, but Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, he was Bubble Boy. Let's not forget. Right. So if there's a, he can play goofy kind of comedy uh, type stuff. But also, obviously, we've seen him do really super serious stuff. So I would love to see both of those guys play around. But depending on where you where you place Plastic Man in his right. life, if you're going to make that kind of movie, those are kind of my choices. Uh, because you're right, you're right, John. They have to play that kind of dramatic undertone that uh, Plastic Man has at times. The kind of self pitying comments that he makes, yeah. self deprecating stuff that he does at his own expense. So you know, out of, your, out of your picks, I would pick Krasinski because mm-hmm. he would bring a grounded element to it. Yeah. I mean, I'd say my my pick he would might not even work as well as Krasinski because Carrie is so big and bold, yeah. but at the same time, he brings with him, even though he's older now, he brings with him the ability of having that kind of the mask yeah. kind of uh, change up and uh, just, you know, his rubber face alone, doesn't matter how old he is, it's very malleable. So, yeah. you know, I, like- I would like to see him and CG go to the next level. You know? <laughs> and I like Krasinski more as a Reed Richards because I, I saw a lot of people fan casting him oh, for, yeah. for uh, as a Fantastic Four. I see him more as Reed Richards than yeah. I do as Plastic Man, but both stretching. I like that. Yeah, I, like yeah, that I wasn't character. mad at the fan cast yeah. when people were like him and Emily, Emily Blunt. Blunt. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know it sounds easy, like, oh, they're a married couple already. Why don't you? And it's like, but you know, sometimes it's just like, hey, look, if that was, if that did happen, yeah. none of us would be mad about it. We'd be like, right. all right, I'm in. It would be a lot, you know, it'd be better than what we've gotten already. <laughs> so let's just leave it at that. That's for sure. Hey, I want to let everyone know. All of us are going to be at the amazing Las Vegas Comic Con, and that's coming up June 29th through the 1st of July. Um, You know where it's going to be? Fabulous Las Vegas. That's right. What? So uh, the craps table, me and Roker are going to be running that shit. (laughs) Um, Dorian and me are going to be playing some roulette at the low minimum tables. And you're welcome (laughs) to join us at this uh, very fun three-day craziness because Collider is going to have a pretty big presence there. You see a lot of Collider banners, and we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of panels going on on both Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. There's gonna be some flavor there every single day. We're gonna have a booth. I'm gonna be at that booth all day when I'm not at a panel, and when I'm not buying comics selectively and playing uh, and losing money or winning money. Who knows? But uh, I'll be there. Roka, you're gonna be there. Uh, I don't know at this point. All right, I mean, well, it's all up in the air. But if I can get a ride, I will absolutely lot, be there. A lot of us are gonna be there. We're doing a movie yeah. talk panel. We're doing a Collider Heroes panel. Yeah. We're doing a crypto something something panel. I don't know anything about this. It's all about you know. Hey, we're bubbling money up. We're it's led into gold. It's alchemy, son. Find out, learn about this a new alchemy. So we're going to be there. Hopefully, everyone's going to be there. So if you want to be there, get your tickets now. You can get them online. Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. Get your tickets. And like I said, after every panel we do, we're going to have a meet and greet at our booth. So we have a, a collider booth there. So that's my hard sell. Mm-hmm. Just come and hang out with us. Really, what I'm saying. And also, you can hang out with us while you're in your car. If you're not watching us right now, visually seeing us speak these words, and you're hearing us, you're driving. We don't want you to be checking your phone as long as you're just listening to us. Drive safely. Um, But get us on Podcast One and iTunes. Subscribe to Collider Heroes and never miss any one of these uh, segments that we do twice a week right now. Um, Let's get right into back into questions. And this one is from Sam Anderson. Yes. Are there any comic book tropes or contra- contrivances that you think wouldn't or shouldn't translate to the cinematic medium? Personally, I find killing and reviving characters frequently <laughs> doesn't translate as well as intended. Uh, Sam, I would agree with That's you. That's why I picked this question. It's like so tiresome. Mm-hmm. It's very tiresome. I mean, it's like 
not did I only not like the Amazing Spider-Man two for many reasons because it sucked <laughs> um, for many reasons, but the killing of Gwen Stacy was like, come on, really? Yeah. Especially the little little spider glove thing when he was the little webbing. You know, just, I mean, horrible visual choices on top of just like something that really didn't need to happen. Batman v Superman. Superman didn't need to die in that movie. Yeah, it did happen. I can't argue with what happened in the film, but I feel like. I, it was Superman's second film. We don't we don't know this new Superman mm-hmm. enough to have this kind of thing thrown upon us or to care that much. That's why so many people cared in Avengers Infinity War when your favorite character got dusted. Name one. I don't know mm-hmm. which one it is, but so many b- people's different characters that they had grown to like or love over the course of eight to ten years, six years, five years. Name the year. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, they killed everybody. I mean, they had a very fun time dusting half of everybody. Yeah. So it's literally... Um, why did we care? Because we had the time to stay and sit with these characters and watch them in their own superhero soap opera called the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The DC doesn't have that. The DC Universe doesn't have that yet. They didn't have it yet. I thought Man of Steel was great. Mm-hmm. I thought it was. I, I, I still like Man of Steel. Yep. Yeah. I think it's a great film, and it was a great start to something that they've really stumbled and kind of fallen and really tripped on with Just League. I feel mm-hmm. like. The big stumble was Batman v Superman. It didn't. It just didn't hit it the way it should yeah. have. I think the idea that Snyder had to make a kind of a, a Dark Knight universe was there. Um, maybe ending with Kingdom Come yeah. being the fifth film. We don't know, but oh, it had a big epic scope to it. But at the same time, it might have just been just a little bit too much in the darker zone to play with these characters, or at least trying to get too much done in too little time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like covering so much, so much in Batman v Superman is why it suffered so much. I could have seen three movies that covered all that stuff in Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. and I think everyone would have been a lot more satisfied with the results as well. Um, what do you think? What's a, what, what is uh, some tropes that you don't like, Dorian? I mean, just, I agree completely with what you just said. With We weren't completely attached to those characters, right. especially Superman getting killed, especially you look at um, how they built that up. But I completely agree with what they're saying. I personally, one of the tropes that I've realized more recently, especially with Deadpool 2 and Avengers, is I'm not sure we, you guys talked about it, is with fridging the women characters. I'm not sure. I think you guys talked about this last week, is how they uh, fridged uh, death or... That Wade Wilson's character, Wade Wilson's girlfriend's character, Vanessa. Yes. Like in mm-hmm. uh, in Deadpool two, as well as how they made Gamora's story arc around centered more around what's going on with uh, uh, Star Lord. Right. So kind of that that's what I've been noticing recently. But besides that, like you said, the more tro- the more recent trope I've noticed is killing not killing off those characters, like how they're being mm-hmm. brought up. For sure, I, I don't think there's any way to fridge Captain Marvel. So you exactly. know, we, we're, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So what do you think, Roka? The two things are that, uh, that always have not. Like you, Dorian, the the, la- the few recent years, the two things that uh, I'm a robot the whole time. No, kill me. I can't. Not that again. And the other one is, can you be a superhero without having your parents killed? Is that possible? I just want to know, can we do something where you can be a superhero where you don't have to have such a tragic beginning? Sure. You know? I mean, like, we see this all the time. Like, stand-up comedy is changing as well. Like, people are coming out of, like, normal houses and doing stand-up comedy. When before, it used to be, like, you had to go through a, a terrible household and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we see that happening, you know. And I want to see that with comic books more and more. I want to see these people who want to become this. We see this with uh, with Ray and Star Wars. We don't know what her heritage is, but everyone wants to think she has this, and maybe she's from parents who didn't do anything. Maybe she's from parents who were who were Jedi's, latent right. Jedi's. We don't know, but 
I would just like to see heroes who just want to be heroes because because a lot of us want to do good, not because of something happened to our past. We just instinctively feel like it's a good thing to Pick do Pick up good. that broom and you yeah. can be a Jedi because yeah. the Force is for everyone. <laughs> is a gym fan asks, which superhero influenced you the most growing up? It's between The Flash and Spider-Man for me. Well, i got to be honest. For me, it's Batman and the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally watching Batman, Adam West, Batman, then cutting to me loving comic book monsters, Godzilla. I was watching mm-hmm. Godzilla, King Kong, all those movies on TV. Fantastic Four and that family of mutants, of weirdo monsters. To me, that influenced me. And then, of course, you know, literally hand in hand, like Spider-Man and Superman, all those characters come like months to years after that. But to me, the biggest ones that I remember most was Batman and Fantastic Four. How about you, Dorian? Can I say Virgil Hawking, Static, Shock? He oh. he probably inspired me the most growing up because he's a little nerdy right. black kid also, mm-hmm. just like you said, wanting to do the right thing. But he gets powers, gets gets a super suit. Like it, I always root for people trying to be the underdog. So seeing him was a, a big influence in my childhood as well as Peter Parker. So those, those two <laughs> definitely right shaped yeah, I, I grew up being a huge Spider-Man fan when I was a kid. When I was a younger kid, I, I liked you know Batman and Superman as well. But like Spider-Man was the one that was sarcastic and he was kind of ostracized because he was a nerdy science kid and all that kind of jazz. I really connected to him growing up. But as I got to my teen years, early teen years, I guess I became a big fan of westerns and noir type films. So uh, Wolverine and Daredevil became really my influences. I would. Find the old comic books, old issues, and get to know more about Logan and more about Matt Murdock. And so those were the two that really influenced me as I got into my formative years. But Spider Man started me off. I collected just about every title there was for Spider Man. It was a blast. Spidey Tales from the the Electric Company. Absolutely. Next question comes from Mike Damron asks Do you think we need a Netflix series about Blade rated R with a decent budget, or is it too soon? I don't think it's soon enough. Mm -hmm. I think I'd, I'd love to see. The, the spirits of vengeance, Ghost Rider, Blade, Morpheus, or uh, Morbius, but I think yeah. they're already doing it. They've announced Morbius, the, the Living, Living Vampire, Vampire as yeah. a movie. Um, Moon Knight, which kind of dabbles in between, like, you know, psychological, like, I'm three people, kind of, is mm-hmm. he really, a, does, is he, does he have mystical powers? Is it all in his mind? Um, those kinds of things. But as far as Blade goes, I think it's high time that they bring Blade back. Um, would he work within the Netflix movie universe or the TV universe that they've already developed? Yes and no. I mean, we already have some mysticism with Iron Fist, and mm. we've got some you know secret powers and certain things that are out of the norm, out of the ordinary. Um, I think Blade and Vampires goes to that next level. Mm-hmm. So I personally don't want it to be part of Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I don't want Blade in that world. Mm-hmm. I would much rather Marvel do a streaming service. They're already going to do one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to see Moon Knight and and uh, Morbius and Ghost mm-hmm. Rider and you know. Uh, all of those supernatural characters kind of exist in that world. Werewolf by Night. You yeah. could bring in all of those cool characters. What do you think? I would love to see them do a Blade series. Uh, one thing I would like them to do is introduce his daughter, and maybe that's how mm. they can try to. Because one thing I've noticed with the Netflix shows and just the shows in general is that there's been an adult cast besides the, the Runaways and mm. Cloak and Dagger. So right. You bring in. Let's bring in Cloak's. I mean. Uh, Blaze's daughter and have her, I don't know, mingle, let them cross over with the cloak and dagger because I think that'd be great. But like you said, do a streaming service, bring them on there. But Mm -hmm. definitely I would love to see them do Blaze's daughter and and have Wesley Snipes be the take on a mentor type role as he trains his daughter in the future of what she's trying to do or something like that. Yeah, I've been a fan of Blade in every version, even the Sticky Fingers version. I watched that whole series. I'm a massive fan of Blade. And it's been showing on the pay channels recently, so I've Mm -hmm. been able to catch the the first one again. What's the gift of the first one is it's it's a small story. 
about vampires and this dude killing vampires in New York, and it's not it's not a large story. So right. the thing is, yeah, I agree with you, John. I wouldn't want them to necessarily blend into the Netflix because how many vampires are going to show up in that situation? Right? Yeah, yeah. This is what he does. This is what he's built to do. So separate alone series of Moon Knight, Ghost Rider, and Blade, I'd be a massive fan of. And it's time. Blade was very well loved, one and two. Uh, so I would love to see that happen quickly. And I also like what you mentioned as a Blade was happening behind our eyes. Yes. Like, he was the daywalker that the vampires knew about, but no one knew mm-hmm. on the city streets what was going on. They were just had these scenes where Blade's hanging out on the, walking around on, on rooftops and stuff, and it's sort of, you know what I mean? It's yep. sort of like, I like that aspect to it. I want to see that come back. Mm-hmm. All right, we're rocking into our last two questions. We got Jacob Noby, or Noble, sorry, asking, hey, what do you think the chances are of us seeing Robert Redford as Alexander <laughs> Pierce in Captain Marvel? Uh, also, I'm not familiar with Captain Marvel, or will Jude Law as Marvel be blue. Well, if they stick to Marvel, he's going to be green and white, yeah, just like that outfit that you saw Brie Larson rock, and that's the older style Cree outfit. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is: Is Jude Law going to wear that crazy Buck Rogers, yeah. you know, helmet with a little thin? <laughs> Wee, um, Robert Redford. Boy, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Like, we've come to expect these kind of little cameos, especially if we're doing 1990s S.H.I.E.L.D. We already know we got Samuel L. Jackson with both eyes. We already know we got Coulson, maybe with long hair, listening to Soundgarden. We don't know (laughs) what we're going to get, but we might get a thing, maybe a telecom or something on a, you know, Pierce wants you to show up, and it could be Robert Redford's voice. Or they might go ahead and just go ahead and shoot him and de-age him and Mm -hmm. throw him on a video screen. The, the likelihood of that happening is, is higher than not. And yeah, why? Yeah. Because, hey, Robert Redford is still around and he's available and he was already in a Captain America movie, mm-hmm. so he's game to do this kind of stuff. I think he would probably be like, yeah, I'll do a cameo to, to lend myself to the further mm-hmm. expansion of this mythology of the Marvel Cinematic Soap Opera Universe, where it's like spanning 20, 20, now 20 22 films, 30 yeah. films. It'll keep going. So uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be great to have him, and I think he'd absolutely love to do it. And uh, it's also a shame that we've lost <clears throat> Gary Shandling, because I would love to see the younger yeah, version of Gary Shandling kind of coming up as a congressman, being friends with Alexander Pierce, and kind of like figuring things out together to be to go against Hail Hydra. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Do all those kinds of things. That would be fun. No, yeah, definitely. I think this is there, there's a good chance of him showing up in there. I, I, this doesn't even relate to anything, but... Also, if you're going to have, you have young Nick Fury, you have young Coulson, let's throw in young Me Not Win, uh, Agent May from oh, Agent yeah. Shield. Get a little get crossover TV action. Yeah. Why not? I'm with you, man. <laughs> you try, imagine <laughs> imagine <laughs> Agents of Shield season seven. So they yeah. just wrapped five, they, they complete season six. Agents of Shield season seven all takes place in 1991. So that'd be, that'd be insanity. Boy, Ben is not even born in 1991. Hey, hey, don't even matter. I'm not. I'd I watch it more right than I watch it now. Sweaty <laughs> question of the week. That's right. The sweaty question of the week comes from Derek Richardson, and he asks: Superhero comics have been a part of Americana for decades now, but with a recent surge in popularity thanks to Hollywood, do you think it could be seen as the USA's version of ancient Greek mythology a century from now? Not really. Yeah, Look no. at it this way. I mean, I, I appreciate the sentiment, and I also think we've talked about this before where, uh, you know, DC is the Greek gods and Marvel are mutants and monsters. I mean, that's the easiest separation and why some people would say, well, Marvel has a better way of telling stories because people can identify with mutation more than they can identify with gods. 
Um, you know, people will argue, well, Batman's a human being, but he's like technically he's constantly flying around, hanging out with all these super, you know, gods, mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, Superman, even Flash and travel at the you know, speed of light or whatever. There's insane amounts of super, uh, super abilities that humans don't have, while the uh, Marvel characters are just mutated versions. I got bit by a spider. I've turned into the thing or the Hulk or whatever. But uh, it's definitely not in the same realm as religion. No, I mean, when you, when you uh, I mean, because that's what you're talking about, mythology and yeah, yeah. Greek gods were religion. So, I mean, when you start to think about it like that, it's like I think superheroes uh, and the superhero world that we're living in right now, the shows that we're talking about are great because it gives us the impetus as human beings to see things through, to be better people, to hold up our belief systems, whatever they may be, religiously or just social mores or ethics. It allows us to transform and become better people. And when you see someone like Captain America fighting for what he thinks is right and we feel what our America really should be, that gives us, even though Captain America is not real, that is a symbol or an idea that should be real in your mind when you deal with normal reality, this world that we live in. So I feel like that's what they'll be looked at as now as like, hey, maybe America was in some problems in the mid, uh, you know, 2015 to 2020. We're going through a lot of weird stuff in real life. Mm -hmm. But this boom of superhero films was something that people could go to and give them a little bit of relief and also a little bit of bounce back a little bit. Mo you know, believe in yourself mm -hmm. a little bit more, a little bit more better feelings. That's my take on it. What that do you think? A, that was a beautiful answer, Don. Just <laughs> that, that was beautiful. Almost made me tear up. Don't you what? cop out. <laughs> Give your answer. No, you go first, man. Oh, well, uh, here's the thing that I would say is that, yeah, like John said, you can't, we weren't worshiping Spider, we're not worshiping the Hulk. We're doing movies, but no one's, you know, burning a goat to the uh, right. altar of the Hulk, that kind of stuff. So, but I will say this, uh, it's our new literature. Yes, that's absolutely true. I think more and more people are discovering it and enjoying it. And it is our new literature in the way that Greek mythology was literature when it was being written and studied in schools. There's a lot because the Joseph Campbell, the power of myth, all of that influences superhero uh, stories. And, and, and the great ones are influenced by the great stories. You can see shades of them throughout you because know, some things are very universal no matter when you write them. And so that's the kind of thing that I think uh, comic books should be very proud of a accomplishing and creating is that kind of effect on society yeah not new mythology the new literature and right. i really agree with roko piggybacking off of what both of you guys said i don't think it's going to ever be looked at as like the new greek mythology but like you said comic books and and superheroes are great teaching methods mm -hmm. so we'll look back look at it 100 years from now you can look at these stories people are teaching their kids about these stories are using these stories as examples of greater things on like responsibility stuff yeah. like that so i think we'll give a lot more of that instead of just like and, being looked at as mythology quick, or religion exactly and real quick as, as as religion has decreased in terms of the people believing it Superheroes have taken the place of essentially guiding people into what's right and what's wrong. Right. And that's we, we. Someday someone's going to do a huge study that quantifies how superheroes really maintained us on the right path, or a lot of us on the right path, and how we approach the world. Well, and also so, look uh, at classrooms. Teachers are bringing uh, comic book superheroes and stories into the classroom yeah. because it helps let younger kids kind of read and here's some artwork here's reading and it kind of combines that skill set so i think a lot of uh, you know teachers are looking at what stories can they tell safely to elementary school or high school or middle school so i think all these things are coming forward great question uh, you've been watching heroes 253 i want to thank roca dorian for being on the show twitter definitely send in your questions for next week we're going to rock wednesdays on the twitter fashion and see how it goes i'll see you next week orangutans they're beautiful playful and majestic and 
disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org. There's an underdog story happening today in America. Small businesses are fighting to make a comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities and neighborhoods, yet asking for little in return. Well, it's time we gave back. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and support the small businesses that unite us all. Find out how you can donate, shop, and share today at smallunites.org. 